This podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional help. If you or someone you know is facing difficulties, I advise you consult a psychologist. The themes and topics about to be discussed include serious mental illness and may be very triggering for some people. If you think you could be affected, please make sure you press pause and think carefully before listening to this podcast. If you decide to proceed, please make sure you have support and a health professional you can speak with later if needed. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Psych for Life with Dr. Amanda Ferguson. I'm your host, Dr. Amanda Ferguson. In today's episode, I'll be discussing the drive to help, how a teen classmate's suicide led psychologist and MP Dr. Fiona Martin to become an advocate for mental health and suicide prevention. Dr. Fiona Martin is a leading educational and developmental psychologist with over 20 years of clinical and research experience. She holds multiple degrees in psychology. Fiona has served for 13 years as a CEO and clinical director of a growing mental health service and has consulted to a variety of organisations. She regularly appears in the media on issues relating to mental health. In 2021, she chaired the first ever Mental Health and Suicide Prevention Committee in the Federal Parliament. Fiona has spent her life working to better the lives of people, supporting some of the most vulnerable children in our community. Fiona is also a devoted mother. Hi, Fiona, and welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Amanda. It's so great to be back on your podcast. Thanks for having me. We've been friends and psychologist peers now for decades, and you first appeared on this podcast in 2020 in your role as federal MP of our federal parliament, and you achieved so much in those years, and now you're back transitioning to clinical practice and helping us in the community and in organisations. What a transition that must be. It is. It's such a big transition. It was a big transition going into federal parliament, being a private citizen and then, you know, going in and sort of understanding all the procedures and the processes of the House of Reps and learning, you know, how the the committee structures work and all the backbench committees and everything. Um, And then, you know, overnight, of course, transitioning um, back out of politics and going back to being a private citizen again. It is a very big transition. Um, But as I, you know, as you know, life is about transitions and it is just another transition of my life, another chapter of my life and, and an exciting one. So recently I attended the Australian Psychological Society's conferences for the College of Educational, sorry, College of Counselling Psychologists and the College of Organisational Psychologists. And it was just a great feeling to be in a room full of psychologists. I've really missed my colleagues a lot and the energy in the room and just the feeling that it really was just so lovely to be amongst my people. (laughs) And we welcome you back with open arms. And you were just saying off air how clients are doing the same. Well, that's right. I mean, literally the day after the election, I received a phone call saying, yeah, bad luck, but good luck for us because now we can have you back. (laughs) (laughs) And we make an appointment, please. (laughs) Exactly. And you chaired the first ever Committee on Mental Health and Suicide Prevention in the Australian Federal Parliament. What a huge endeavour. What a great responsibility. Yeah, I mean, it's just incredible that 
you know, it was 2021 when we set this committee up that it took us that long Mm. to have a mental health and suicide prevention committee in our federal parliament. Now, we spend an extraordinary amount of money, our taxpayers' money, on the MBS and, you know, and on so many other things that people, you know, books and whatever else, you know, um, therapy for people and yet it's taken this long to set up the first committee on mental health and suicide prevention. So, I mean, it was sort of, you know, I couldn't believe it. That was the first thing that I realised when I got in there because I sat on the health committee. But great, I'm on the health committee. This is going to be a great committee because we're going to talk about mental health. And then I realised mental health is competing with all the other health issues and various other disorders Mm -hmm. and I'm competing with a whole range of other inquiries that need to be looked at so it was at that point Amanda that I decided I'm going to take this upon myself to create and establish um, the first ever mental health and suicide prevention committee and I can remember going into Greg Hunt's office at the time and saying why don't we have a mental health committee Greg Um, we need this and we need it right now and he said Fiona that's a great idea let's get it going let's talk to the prime minister and get it get it off the ground Excellent. And that report has made a substantial number of uh, findings and 44 recommendations. What do you think are the most important ones? Well, the first one is that, you know, we need a permanent standing committee to look at mental health and suicide prevention ongoingly in the Federal Parliament of Australia. So it's not just a one-off committee um, that I chaired. This is a permanent standing committee going forward so that we're always looking into the mental health um, of Australians um, rather than sort of ad hoc inquiries via the health committee um, as it seemed to be the case prior to me being in the federal parliament. But one of the big things that, you know, we've we've learned, and this committee, of course, was motivated by the impact of COVID-19, which really did change the landscape mm-hmm. of mental health um, services and the demand for mental health services across Australia But what we found is that even if we spoke to the large peak bodies, the big organisations in mental health or the very small grassroots organisations, you know, in the Kimberleys or, you know, in in, in other states across across our great nation, was that the common theme was that people had difficulties accessing mental health services and they had difficulties with affording mental health services in Australia. Now, one of the big problems we have is that we don't have enough people who work with young people in our field. So there just doesn't seem to be enough child and adolescent psychiatrists or psychologists who specialise in working with children and adolescents. And we know that, you know, treating people early in illness and early in life leads to better outcomes um, in terms of mental health. So... In order to um, change that, we need to make sure that we have uh, more people who are trained in that space, in that child and adolescent space. So one of the recommendations was to ensure that we fund more master's psychology degrees in the educational and developmental psychology um, specialisation. Now, in New South Wales at the moment, unfortunately, we do not have one master's degree in educational and developmental psychology available to students who are wanting to specialise in this area. Wow. Now, 
Given the recent census data, given the the fact that we know we need to get in early and treat illnesses early and that a lot of psychological problems present for the first time in childhood, why is it that we don't have a master's degree in educational and developmental psychology in New South Wales, let alone any other state? Uh, so, So that was one of the big recommendations. And, you know, psychology is a diverse field. There are nine areas of endorsement, specialisations in psychology. Of course, educational and developmental psychology is one of those. Clinical psychology is another and organisational psychologist is, is another one. We really need to have more diversity within our specialisation, not just one stream of psychologists throughout our country because we know the needs of people and organisations are diverse and they really do rely and need the diversity of our profession. Those nine areas of endorsement are all needed. Yes. And in other advanced nations around the world, the UK, the US, Canada, for example, they have that diversity in our profession. So one of the big things coming out of this committee was to ensure that we maintain the diversity of our profession and that we have these master's degrees in these nine areas of endorsement available across the country to encourage that diversity um, so that we can keep going um, to provide services to organisations and to people uh, individually and in groups across across our nation. And it's just so important to do that. And so I'm working with the Australian Psychological Society and with our new Minister for Mental Health to ensure that we do get these um, changes happening sooner rather than later because we just can't wait around um, for for this to happen. We really do need to get action now and that's part of my job. I think post-politics yes. is to continue advocating for our profession but yes. also for mental health in general. Um, I think it's very important that, that I do that because I'm in a unique position where I've had, yep. you know, a very um, substantial career practising as a psychologist. Um, I am myself, you know, specialised in educational and developmental psychology and I've been in private practice for a very long time mm. and I understand um, what it's like, you know, and many of, our, many of our colleagues have actually moved into private practice um, because of the way the MBS structure is, it is, and and that in itself is problematic for for affordability and accessibility. Yes. So there is just so many issues to to cover um, in mental health, but but certainly um, the higher education um, you know portfolio needs to work with the mental health portfolio and the health portfolio in the federal parliament to ensure that we continue to have that diversity within our profession, that we are um, training and educating psychologists of the future. And the other thing too is, and of course you'd understand this, is offering placements and ongoing clinical supervision to psychologists who come out of these master's degrees to ensure that we do have people within each of these nine areas of endorsement ongoingly. So that's just one of the 44 recommendations of this of this committee and we just worked so hard over a very intense period um, 
to get this off the ground. And of course, you know, we were in lockdown as well during yeah. this time. So a lot of the interviews, I mean, um, were conducted online, um, you know, and, uh, and look, I just think it's so important that we use um, these recommendations to reform our, our system. Oh, incredibly so. And even back then, when the report was released, you mentioned that the mental health system was fragmented and significantly under strain because of disasters. And now with COVID, mm. we're hearing, as you say, the escalation of childhood and adolescent mental health issues and a lack of practitioners, uh, waiting lists for up to six months in Melbourne. Um, yeah. And, and just a lack of psychologists. So the recent introduction of using provisionally registered psychologists, what do you think about that plan? Well, I think that, you know, in every other profession, health profession, and particularly in the hospital system, registrars are utilised. Yeah. And so it just makes sense to utilise psychologists in training. Psychologists is a protected term. Students who have gone through and are in training are being supervised. Yes, they're under plans. They've got very strict um, supervision guidelines. Um, they're, they're, you know, they're given the structure that they need and the supervision that they need to be able to, um, you know, work. And so it makes sense to be able to utilise them, not just in public hospitals but also in schools as well. Yes. Um, because there are a shortage of school counsellors out there. So I think there is scope um, to utilise uh, psychologists in training more and more uh, and, um, uh, you know, and to build a workforce because that is the problem. Um, I mean, it's not just in mental health, of course. Um, it's in aged care and it's, you know, in health yes. in general. But in mental health, you know, particularly given that we are and still very much going through a crisis in mental health, yes. that we need to address these uh, workforce shortages in ways, you know, start with the logical you know, um, with the, the psychologists that are in training. Excellent. And speaking of in schools, you have personal experience as well as professional experience. As you mentioned in Parliament when you were releasing the report about your classmate. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the reasons why I decided to become a psychologist in the first place. I experienced a, um, a peer who suicided at school and it was horrific young man, tall, and, you know, really smart, friends with everybody and had everything to look forward to in his life, yet he yeah. suffered in silence and nobody had any idea and just, you know, one day we, we arrived at school and there was an empty, an empty chair and so the that experience I think impacted well obviously it impacted all of us in that year cohort yes. but I think for me it shaped what I wanted to do going forward that you know mm. that there's something wrong if a young man who had everything to live for wanted to take his own life I really wanted yes. to understand that and I wanted to work out how I could prevent that from happening you know, in my lifetime. So I guess in many ways that was a motivating factor for me wanting to become a psychologist in the first place. Brilliant. Another tremendous thing you did in Parliament was crossing the floor. Yes, that was a, a big thing doing that. Um, I think that, you know, in many ways um, you, you stick by your party and you come 
you know, your party room is there to debate issues and to find a way forward. And I, and I guess for me, um, I did that. I raised my issues with regards to this suite of legislation in relation to um, religious freedoms. And, you know, I was very much of the opinion that it's very important to protect people of faith. And that's certainly what I did. I voted in favour of the Religious Freedom Bill and to be able to protect people of faith. But the one piece of legislation that really concerned me, not just as a psychologist but also from a personal perspective, was the legislation um, that related to the amendments of the Sex Discrimination Act and how that amendment could impact on not only teachers who belong to the LGBTQI community, but also young people yeah. who were gender diverse or who were, you know, um, you know, gay. And I and I had worked with so many young people who have worked through issues around gender, around sexuality, and I know how vulnerable young people mm. in particular are when they're going through. Um, these parts and aspects of themselves and I just think that, you know, I know, Amanda, that I did the right thing. I know that I had to be the one to do this, that whilst, you know, my community were probably a little divided on this issue, that the vast majority of people in my electorate thought that I was doing the right thing and that the vast majority of Australians, and in fact I know this because my inbox was inundated and phone calls wow. came streaming in the next day. It went on It went on for weeks actually of oh, people wow. thanking me for taking, having the courage yes. um, to, to do what I did because it's not, it's not something that, you know, you do very easily. Um, no. I was under enormous pressure um, and I... I had to do what was right for yeah. for people and for humanity and I saw it as a human rights issue. I saw it as, you know, you can't just practice as a psychologist and help people in your clinic and then not continue to support the same people in the federal yes. parliament. That it really was important to me to protect people who belong to the LGBTQ plus community and the gender diverse trans community in the federal parliament because they are who they are and you know why why should we be you know inadvertently discriminating against them in either you know an, a working environment or an educational institution they have every right to feel protected as well and i took the stance because in my heart i couldn't i couldn't sit with that yes you know, so um, it was a big decision. It was very early in the morning. It'd been going on pretty much the whole term. The the issue had been kind of been trying to be dealt with throughout the, the three years that, you know, I was um, in, in the federal parliament. And then it sort of came to a, <laughs> a conc- you know, a big vote yeah. at sort of 4.30 um, towards the end of the term. And... Um, yeah, I mean, I'm proud of what I did and I know that I did the right thing and I think that, you know, this government now needs to deal with this issue. I don't see how 
it's in conflict. Uh, I don't I don't see that it's a problem. I, I personally think you can protect people of faith, but you can also protect vulnerable young people in particular who belong to the LGBT plus, you know, community. I just don't understand how you can't have both. Yes, I completely agree. Moving forward, I believe you're working closely still with the minister, the current minister for health, with your findings. Yeah, Emma McBride, who was the deputy chair of the Mental Health and Suicide Prevention Committee with me, is now the minister responsible for mental health. And we developed a great rapport in in the committee and we continue to work together um, to discuss mental health issues, to problem solve um, mental health, um, the the system reforms, and you know I'm I'm very lucky and fortunate to have that rapport. And I think when it comes to you know important policy issues, um, it's important to work across political party lines. That these sorts of issues like mental health are above politics. So it's really great to be able to continue the advocacy and to work closely with the minister on these issues and I hope to be able to um, also work and represent psychologists in the future, um, working closely with the Australian Psychological Society, our professional association, um, and also other um, professional associations in the mental health space to ensure that we have a mental health system that's accessible to all and affordable to all and that our professionals in the sector um, have their needs met and aren't, you know, burnt out and yeah. overworked, that we, that we look after them. Well, you're in a unique position to do this, this advocacy work, and to, to really build a bridge, uh, given your extensive experience as a clinician, uh, as an educator, as a supervisor, and, of course, your intense experience in Parliament. Yeah, it does give me a unique position and a great platform to be able to do that. So I'm looking forward very much to continue to advocate for not only mental health in general but for psychologists in particular um, across across Australia. And I know, you know, having spoken to many of um, psychologists since returning to to the private citizen life that I'm living now, <laughs> um, that they're grateful for, for the advocacy that I've done thus far for our profession and they are excited yes. that I'm able to continue to do that. So um, I'll take that baton and run for us. Excellent. <laughs> and, Thank you. <laughs> and to ensure that, um, that our voice is heard in the federal parliament. It's very important. Oh, it so is. I mean, the stats and the media is constantly attesting to the need for uh, looking after mental health of Australians. Yeah. So one of the things that I've done since leaving federal parliament is that I've joined the FSHD executive um, board. So FSHD is a common muscular dystrophy condition that affects adults and children. And whilst I was in the federal parliament, I helped establish the parliamentary friendship group for FSHD. And so they asked me, in fact, the FSHD Global Research Foundation to stay involved and connected. I work very closely with Mike Freelander, who's an ALP member. He's a paediatrician um, by training. And uh, we work closely and we got some good outcomes for FSHD. So I'm continuing to advocate for the FSHD community because I know that they need 
that level of advocacy at the state and uh, federal level to be able to improve the lives of people with this condition. And it's a condition that, you know, the body, the muscles of the body just waste away. Unfortunately, it is one of those um, genetic conditions where, you know, many people end up in a wheelchair um, and can't can't really get by without um, a lot of assistance. Um, And and so, you know, it is a real privilege to be able to help the community, um, the FSHD community, and to work with them to get some good outcomes. And so, yeah, I recently joined their board, which is fabulous. They have a great team there. And the other thing that I've I've done this month <laughs> is re-establish myself in private practice. So I was very excited to join uh, Dr. Milch and Dr. Selig, who are over in Mossman um, at the Family and Mind Clinic, and they're psychiatrists, child and adolescent psychiatrists. And of course, I'm an educational and developmental psychologist, so it was a good fit. Yes. And um, and so I'm excited to be uh, working again with my 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 patients and um, helping young people, of course, mostly uh, parents and schools and organisations that need assistance um, in this space. So, um, yeah, and and one of the things I've, you know, going back into private practice is fabulous because it's, you know, it's where I get my most, my my joy, Amanda, Mm. um, satisfaction in being able to help um, individuals. But it is a little strange because I've gone from, doing individual uh, one-on-one and, you know, obviously group therapy as well and working with organisations to being a federal member where I actually helped thousands, millions, in fact, Mm -hmm. people through um, making recommendations on a mental health report to going back into working with individuals, organisations and individual people again. So it's a really kind of strange dynamic but it gives me great joy to be able to help people and that's really what the common theme is yes is being able to improve the lives of Australians and that's really been my you know motivation all the way through Mm. um but helping people with a variety of different conditions obviously anxiety and depression are the most common conditions um in Australia but I do do a lot of work with young people who have specific learning disorders young people who have um suspected of having or diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder and people who have um, ADHD. So sort of those sorts of conditions that are the one, you know, the the sort of uh, disorders that I work very closely with um, and enjoy um, helping people and families with. So if people want to find you as a psychologist for psychological treatment, um, particularly for their child and adolescent, they would go to the website? Yeah, the website is um, www.familyandmind.com.au and um, it's located in Mosman and um, the telephone number, if you'd like me to give that out, yes. is 9904-4600. And um, I am there to help. And that's Mossman, Sydney, Australia. So area code 02. Yes. And if organisations want to find you for speaking, training, uh, advising, um, they should contact you at the same place? They can most definitely contact me there as well. Or they could um, also contact me via drfionamartin.com.au, another website. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) 
So if people are out there wanting to um, have a read through the actual report, uh, the mental health and suicide report, prevention report, there is a final report available on the Australian Parliament website um, and you can just contact um, the, a, the Australian Parliament House if there are any difficulties searching for it, but it is available through the committee um, that was set up in the last Parliament. So, um, but it's online and it's available and it has all the 44 recommendations listed in there as well as all the detailed um, um, findings from many, 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 many interviews that we conducted with um, people from across the country. It's such an impressive report. I, I did have a look at it. Thanks, Amanda. Yeah, it was a lot of hard work. <laughs> oh, so much hard work. Yeah. So, so much dedication. You are an absolute legend. We're so lucky to have you in all your capacities. Off air, I asked Dr Fiona what makes her psyched for life. And she said, professionally, it's about improving people's lives through better health outcomes that would involve evidence-based care, advocacy and reform. Personally, it's big laughs. I live for fun and I don't take myself seriously and seeing smiles on my children's faces. Thank you so much, Dr Fiona Martin, for being a guest today. Thanks, Amanda. Always a privilege and it's wonderful to speak to you. If anything discussed in this podcast has caused you concern or distress, contact your general practitioner or health provider. To locate a psychologist in your area, call the Australian Psychological Society and locate Find a Psychologist Service on 1800 397 or visit www.findapsychologist.org.au. If you or someone you know is in crisis, Lifeline is available 24-7 on 13 11 14 and Kids Helpline, again 24 7 on 1800 55 1800, and both are free of charge. To find out more about me, please visit my website, dramandaferguson.com.au. You can find the link in my show notes. The opinions expressed by guests in these podcasts aren't necessarily shared by me.